Welcome to It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom, the only always sunny in Philadelphia-themed Chiefs podcast in the known universe. It's brought to you by Sports Illustrated's Arrowhead Report. I'm Austin. I did a slightly different intro. I tweaked my language a little bit here. I hope you liked it, guys. It was great. You can find me on Twitter at RealBirdLawyer. Here with me, as always, my man, my buddy, Taylor Witt. You can find him on Twitter at Taylor underscore Witt. Taylor, what's going on? I approve your intro. That was much improved from the time before. Well done. Oh, well, you know, I had to clean up my act a little bit. We try to bring a brand of professionalism to our listeners. You guys have been crushing it lately with our numbers. Numbers are up. We've got a special, exciting guest that you guys have never heard before on any podcast. Just a little known guy named Seth Kaiser. He's going to be on the podcast next week. So look forward to that. We've got a good show for you guys here today. It's going to be pretty short. And then we're going to probably bring you a a longer, more jam-packed episode next week. We've got some news. We've got some mailbag. Before we get to that, I had an announcement. I put this out on Twitter. This is a very spur of the moment thing. And I did it like on Monday morning. And I, it was before it set in that this week at work was going to completely kick my ass. So Mm. it was like 10 o'clock. I was sitting at my desk. I was like, oh, whatever. You know, I've got a whole week to accomplish all the things that I need to accomplish. I want to start a fantasy league for our listeners. This is something that we kind of had talked about last year and we didn't get around doing it because you didn't want to commission it because you commission like all of our fantasy leagues <laughs> and we have like 10 this year. We're going to do it. I am going to be the commissioner and I am going to choose who gets into the league. And I've got like 50 people lined up already who responded to my tweet that want to be in the league. So this is me saying it's going to happen. Keep listening to the show because that's where we're going to determine who gets into the league. So you got to listen to the show. You can't just be some jabroni who follows me on Twitter, says I went into the league. That's not how it works. I don't know how it works yet, but it's not going to be that way. And we'll make some announcements about that here in the next couple of weeks, and then we'll kind of get the ball rolling on that. Get some fantasy football going on. Make a tradition out of it. (laughs) Let's get into the news. So the Chiefs are in their second, third, third week of OTAs, organized team activities. And we do have some news that we have to go to. First, injury news, regrettably. Kyle Long, reported today, has suffered a leg injury that could keep him out of training camp, could keep him out of training camp, is how it was worded in Rappaport's tweet. The hope is that he could be back right before the regular season, but I've seen some tweets that suggest that that might be a little optimistic, that he may, this injury may linger into the regular season. And so... Kyle Long is not going to get a chance to compete for a starting spot. you got to figure this is a guy that they've had in the building and out on the field for a couple of weeks now. He obviously came out of retirement to join the Chiefs, and now it doesn't look like they're going to get a long look at him in, obviously, minicamp, certainly not in training camp. And so you got to feel his odds of cracking the starting lineup when he does get healthy are probably pretty low. Yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate. It's a fun story, or it was a fun signing, and and will still be in the future. Um, Andy did tell reporters that Kyle suffered a knee injury that doesn't appear to involve ligaments. He said there's a chance he has to have surgery, but it's not um, not known at this time. So it's just uh, you know, I guess we all still have a little bit of PTSD from offensive lineman injury situations. Oh, it's not exactly the type of news story that. Uh, brings back any positive memories for Chiefs fans. So you just hope that, um, you know, the rehab's good there and that he can get back on the field really, you know, in time to get hit the ground and and make sure that when the games count, he's there and helping the guys. So, you know, if you're going to have an injury, I'd much rather have it this week than the week before the Super Bowl. That's for damn sure. Yeah, for sure. And 
obviously he was competing at right guard and Andy Heck, the chief's offensive line coach said that he believes Trey Smith, the chief six round pick who fell because of medical concerns has starting right guard ability. And it, he said to the media that it was just a question of how quickly he gets up to speed there. So it's now at right guard looks to be a competition between LDT and Trey Smith at the right guard position. It's a little bit of a bummer that the chiefs can't, throw Kyle Long into the competition at right tackle where Lucas Yang and Mike Remmers are competing. And, you know, we mentioned it on the podcast when he signed, but obviously he played one season at right tackle. He was a pro bowl uh, candidate or he made the pro bowl that year. He was a pro bowler the one year that he played right tackle. And so I was hoping that he might get a little bit of, you know, get into the mix there as well, you know, show that he can play both right side spots, give him a little bit more chance to rotate in. But unfortunately, with the injury, that does not look like it's going to be the case. I guess the upside is that Trey Smith is going to get some reps, and we're going to see pretty quick whether this rookie has the juice. I think he's got the juice, man. This dude is 6'6", 330. He's a monster. I cannot wait to see Trey Smith out there. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And we actually get preseason games this year. I just was looking. In fact, as we're recording this, the first preseason game, I believe is 90 days from yesterday. Yeah. So we are, we are real close to kicking off the preseason or maybe it's the, the kickoff is, is 90 days. The kickoff is 90 days away because so the preseason like four four yeah, weeks oh, away. We're like, we're yeah. like 60 days away from preseason football. Oh, buddy. <laughs> That's amazing. Let's let's get let's get jacked. Are you hyped for preseason football after a week? I mean, of, I am now. This is the only way I can be hyped for preseason football is after not having a, a you know foot preseason for a year and then losing the Super Bowl. That's the only way that I can get into the mode of where I'm excited for August 5th, Cowboys at Steelers. Oh, Hall of Fame game. Yeah, Hall of Fame game. Mm. So another item of news from the Chiefs OTAs, Andy Reid was asked about the vaccine really popular conversation topic about reporters these days no it's not a HIPAA violation to ask people about their vaccine status or their players or anybody in the organization it doesn't violate HIPAA go shove that up your ass (laughs) he was asked about it and Andy Reid said that he thinks the Chiefs are one of the most vaccinated teams in the league he's talking about players coaches and staff so regardless of what your thoughts are on the vaccine like let's say you're wrong, but let's say you have some skepticism about getting the vaccine because, you know, even though vaccines are safe, this this vaccine, we don't have any long-term health data on it, whatever it is. Doesn't matter. Your football team is the most vaccinated, one of the most vaccinated football teams in the league. And you know what we do know about this vaccine is that it keeps you from getting COVID. And that means that the Chiefs, as a team, as a as a unit, including their coaching staff, including their uh, their their coaches, their staff, their trainers, they're at a lower risk of getting COVID as a team. And that means they're at lower risk of having to throw out Chad Henney to start a game or play a game on a Wednesday afternoon with their third string quarterback. You know why? Because they all went out and got the vaccines. It seems like, uh, seems like there's one easy solution and one really hard headed, difficult solution to this problem. And uh, chiefs are taking the easy way. You know, This sort of segues into a larger news item, um, which doesn't bring me any joy to discuss, by the way, because, you know, we've been talking about COVID as long as this podcast, almost as long as this podcast has existed. Yeah. February 2020 is when we started. I mean, yeah. yeah. I'm tired of talking about it and I'm tired of talking about the vaccine. You should go out and get a vaccine. You know this. If you follow me on Twitter, you should get it. It's good. 
it keeps you from getting COVID. But this is going to be a huge news item. And I, I've sort of been calling my shot on this for a few weeks now, but this kind of blew up this week. Now the players are back in the facilities and reporters have access to players, to coaches. Montez Sweat this week came out and said that he wants to do more research into the vaccine. Hmm. Uh, apparently the football team is uh, bringing in vaccine experts to address the players, to answer any questions that they might have, but he doesn't want to listen to those experts because hmm. he would rather do his own research sure. and watch YouTube videos or whatever it is he's going to do. He also said that he doesn't need the vaccine because he hasn't gotten COVID yet. So uh, maybe a fundamental misunderstanding by Montez <laughs> of, of why you get a vaccine. Um, <laughs> but Sam Darnold uh, came out today and said that he has not gotten the vaccine. Also use the, um, I need to do more research line. Mm -hmm. uh, we know that Josh Allen and Cole Beasley of the Buffalo Bills don't have vaccine. I'm reading between the lines on Josh Allen. Uh, he was asked about it, you know, a month ago or so. We talked about it on the pod and he basically said, you know, I want to do my own research and I think it's up to the players and something about constitutional rights and preposterous nonsense like that. But what are these teams doing? <sighs> so they've got this idea that, you know, their body is their temple and all that stuff. And they're very concerned about what gets in and out of it. And, and that kind of that mentality. And when they see that the vaccine hasn't been FDA approved yet, because that takes months and months and months of data. And there just frankly, hasn't been months and months and months yet. There's been four months, but um, they think that it's the intelligent answer to not get it for some reason. And if they ask their doctor, Hey doc, you're a, uh, you're a doctor. Should I get a COVID <laughs> vaccine? The doctor would say yes, but they don't trust doctors. They don't trust the CDC. They don't trust anyone whose profession it is to learn about viruses and, and how they affect the human body, who they would rather, I guess not who they would rather trust, but they would rather remain skeptical. And yes, it is your right to remain skeptical and it is your right to refuse shots and do all that stuff. However, the mountain of evidence suggesting that this is the incorrect decision is overwhelming at this point. And anyone who refuses it based on some sort of loose, vague, I don't, I need more information mentality is missing the forest for the trees. They just don't understand what's at stake here and why people are telling everyone to get the vaccine and it's frustrating and they're risking their football availability and they're risking their, you know, passing this on to other people in their lives that might be immunocompromised or might, I mean, it's, there's yeah, a, or their teammates or their teammates who then would be popped for, for yeah. getting positive. And then now all of a sudden, because Josh Allen and Cole Beasley both didn't want to get it. Now one of them gets it and hands it to the other one and they're both out. It's, it's, it's not good, man. It's honestly crazy to me that these hyper-competitive athletes who play a sport that has well-known health risks, I mean, you're like, it's the most dangerous sport that exists, except for maybe like high lie or something like that, you know? Sure. Uh, but it's very dangerous. They know that they're exposing their bodies to some level of risk by participating in the sport of football. It blows my mind that they're not that there, are, there appears to be a large number of them out there. We don't know exactly because not everybody's been asked and not everybody wants to share. But, man, I don't know. Like, on the one hand, as a citizen of the United States who, who really wants people to get vaccinated so that life can go back to normal and we can 
we can go to football games and concerts and things like that. I'm annoyed by it, but man, as a fan of the most vaccinated team in the league, we need to, we need to like make t-shirts or something for that. (laughs) As a fan of the most vaccinated team in the league that we know for a fact has its head coach and its quarterback vaccinated. I mean, like I, I, there will be at least a couple of games this year where somebody who didn't get the vaccine, a prominent player, whether it be a starting quarterback or whoever, is out because they have COVID. And there's going to be a handful of games at least this year, if not more than that, that are determined by these players making a decision not to get the vaccine. And I just can't imagine, especially for a starting quarterback, like we saw Brian Hoyer start a game last year against mm-hmm. the Chiefs when Cam Newton got COVID. That's right. We saw Robert Griffin III start a game that also featured, I think, Trace McSorley made an appearance in that game against the Steelers when uh, Lamar Jackson had uh, exposure. You know, we saw some, we saw the Denver Broncos start a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Kendall <laughs> Hinton. Yeah. I, I just like, I, and we just saw last week, um, John Rahm at the, the, masters or the not the masters the PGA, PGA, champ- PGA, yeah, championship. The P- PGA championship with a six or seven stroke lead through three rounds get disqualified because he got a positive test and lose out on a massive bag because he tested positive for COVID and he got disqualified and I just can't imagine I just don't understand the mentality of these athletes especially the ones that are kind of on the periphery where the team could just tell them to take a hike like I just don't understand that mentality. Uh, I guess it speaks to just the level of skepticism and the level of anti-science propaganda that we have in this country these days. But I'm glad that we are fans of the most vaccinated team in the league. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's such an advantage that you kind of do, you know, there's part of you as a Chiefs fan that's like, fuck it, don't get the vaccine. Yeah, right. Like, you know, okay. I mean, as, as, a, as a human, you definitely want everyone to get it. But like, if that's the game they want to play, then yeah okay you can go ahead and sit out some games that's that's fine we'll go ahead and uh we'll go ahead and run the table we probably will unfortunately we will not be running the table with one quintoris jones on the chiefs the dream died Mm. julio jones i'm burying it in the middle Mm. i didn't want to make it the lead the lead it still hurts i know it, it still hurts it hurts it hurts me it hurts you it doesn't hurt a lot of people on twitter who think that Julio Jones is a Sammy Watkins clone. And you guys, you guys heard, you guys heard from me on Monday. So you know who you are keeping an eye on you. Julio Jones traded the Titans for second round pick plus a 2023 swap where the Falcons got a fourth in exchange for a sixth about the compensation probably that we expected. And unfortunately the Titans, obviously an AFC rival, the chiefs do play them this year. It obviously improves the Titans a lot. I mean, not, you know, I I mean, it takes their wide receiver unit from AJ Brown to AJ Brown and Julio Jones, which is, which is very good. Yeah. Uh, Peter Schrager did come out and say the Chiefs were never really in this. And he said it was because of money. His tweet from the other day, Casey was never truly in the Julio sweepstakes. It's nothing against his talent or their belief that he's still a top wide receiver i.e. not a Sammy Watkins clone, just reading between the lines there. The financials just never made sense. And this final line is what I kind of wanted to call attention to. Cash comes into play. So we did spend some time talking about the cap implications and how the Chiefs could move money around, be that with a a Tyron Matthew extension, whether they, you know, restructured or cut some players. 
but it sounds like the Chiefs maybe might have been interested and maybe even seriously interested, but were never really close to making a move happen because of cash flow. And we've talked about this before on the podcast, but just because you have cap space and you can maneuver that around, it still requires a lot of liquid assets and cash to be able to restructure deals. Because most of the time when you're restructuring deals, you're putting more money in the player's pocket up front. Like you're saying, okay, we're going to reduce your cap hit in the form of, you know, converting salary to signing bonus, which will spread the cap hit out, but we're going to give you that money right now. And so Clark Hunt, obviously one of the more cash rich owners in the league. We've talked about it before Mm -hmm. chair of the finance committee, but doesn't sound like he was comfortable with the cash outlay that it would have required to make Julio chief, which would have been at least $15 million, which was Julio's salary in 2021 you could have massaged the calf number but it, it would have been at least 15 million dollars upfront cash yeah. you know if you had a tyrant matthew extension that's going to lower his cap hit but it's also going to be probably a signing bonus that's going to put more money in his pocket right away it sounds like that was the issue well and clark's already fronted a ton of cash over the last off season and season i mean between you know the mahomes deal and chris jones and and kelsey and i mean all the all the money that has already been fronted, uh, he might have just figured, yeah. I mean, like Schrager's saying, like it, it financials come into play. Yes, he's great. Um, I'm not really in the mood for cutting another, you know, twenty million dollars for Julio <laughs> and then another, you know, eighteen million dollars for a for an extension for Badger. And I mean, whatever the numbers would have cost, it just would have been another gigantic chunk of change. And maybe if the chiefs were coming off of a second straight super bowl, maybe there would be some sort of like, you know, cash flow bonus sure, from that. And exactly. But I mean, the way Clark's sitting now, he's figuring, okay, let's, uh, let's go win another one. And then I'll, then I'll go nuts again. Yeah. I mean, the chiefs have right now um, about $180 million in salary cap on the books for this year with uh 7.8 million in cap space, but 180 million cash, down including dead cap and things like that so i mean we're, we're talking about clark cutting 195 million dollars worth of checks if we add julio jones in you know coming off a, a pandemic and obviously the uh the overall numbers for the league being down and everything like that um would have been would have been tough to do it sounds like i i'm actually was encouraged by this tweet though because i i think reading between the lines a little bit that peter schrager basically said like i mean it's not that the Chiefs didn't think he was good and they didn't want to have Julio Jones on the mm-hmm. team. Like they, they probably thought it would be a cool idea, but <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I don't obviously have any specific insider knowledge on how these conversations go down between general managers and ownership like this. But to me, specifically calling attention to the cash aspect of it, I mean, to me, that suggests that they at least were serious enough about it to go talk to Clark and say like, Hey, yeah, you can make this happen. Do, do you want to cut a $15 million check next week to pay for Julio Jones? Pass. I don't, I, yeah. yeah. He, he passed, which is fine. You know, Clark was probably reading some of your tweets and he was like, I don't know if I can pay $15 million for a Sammy Watkins clone. That's, that's right. Too right. But uh, he, he saw your tweets guys. But to me, that does suggest that, that maybe they at least were, we're interested, which is good. That's 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 the correct thing for them to be. Yes. When Julio Jones is on the market, you should be interested. We were very interested, and we're very disappointed and sad. 
what does that make you feel about the Titans? I mean, we, we touched on that briefly, but like, you know, with now AJ Brown, Derek Henry, Julio Jones and Ryan Tannehill on offense, are they the favorites in the South? You know, I think they might be the favorites in the AFC South, but I think it comes down to, I think it comes down to whether Carson Wentz is good or not. Like I think before, even if Carson Wentz was fine, which he has been fine in the recent yeah. past. Yeah, you know, yeah. Even two years ago, he was he was fine. Like I feel like Carson Wentz, if Carson Wentz had been average pre Julio Jones, I feel like the Colts were probably the favorite, unless yep. he was like a dumpster fire. Now I feel like the Titans have raised their ceiling enough that the that the Colts probably need Carson Wentz to be like above average, like sure. Maybe maybe like pretty good. Yeah. In order to be able to to take that division, and obviously the Texans are a pit of despair. We're going to talk about <laughs> them next. And the Jaguars are interesting, but probably not really in the conversation there. I mean, it does like it really does create a I mean, you're you're talking about a pretty dangerous offense. Now, their defense is still really bad. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you're talking about a team that is sort of similar in some respects to like the 2018 Chiefs, but obviously with a lower ceiling because your quarterback is Ryan Tannehill and not Patrick Mahomes. Although Tannehill has been playing dynamite. He has, I mean, and in he, fact, our friend, <laughs> the legendary Dov Kleiman, did point out on Twitter that uh, since Tannehill became the starter, better numbers than Patrick Mahomes. Now, he didn't say that Tannehill was better. No. I know a lot of you guys went after him on Twitter. Okay, he didn't say that he was better. He never claimed that he was ever trying to say that he was better. That was on us as Chiefs fans for responding to a huge Brady stand who always takes every opportunity to dump on Patrick Mahomes. Sure. I mean, did we read that into his tweet? Eh, maybe. <laughs> did he want us to do that? Did he did he did he do that on purpose? Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He did. So let's talk about the Texans because Deshaun Watson was in the news this week for He's, the first time in, in a while. It seems like he should have been in the news every week recently, but he just hasn't been. It's been a little uh it's been a little quiet on that front. It has, and that that probably is suggestive of there being some settlement talks and things going on behind the scenes. I know uh, our, our friend Mike Florio has opined on that, you know, using his attorney knowledge from like 30, <laughs> year, 30 years ago or something like that. Mike Florio likes to, you know, play a lawyer on, uh, on TV, but I don't know that he's ever been a practicing attorney. If he has, it hasn't been in a very long time. In any case, Deshaun Watson put himself back in the news. This obviously was something that was communicated by his camp to Kareem Jackson, a current Denver Bronco and former Texan, former teammate of Deshaun Watson's. But Kareem Jackson came out this week and said that Deshaun Watson wants to be in Denver. That's what he said. He wants to be a Bronco. Ian Rappaport came out and said that he doesn't think that this is accurate, that Kareem Jackson is uh, is misinformed, that Watson wants to go a lot of places. It seems like he probably wants to go anywhere but Houston. Yeah, definitely. Uh, including Denver. But he, he says that there's no strong preference for Denver. So, of course, here in Broncos country where I live, the, uh, the radio has been all flutter. The Twitter has been all flutter with the, the prospect, renewed prospect of getting to Sean Watson. And it's oh. natural that this would happen now with the Aaron Rodgers hot stove <laughs> cooling off a little bit. I was going to say, do they want him to back up Rodgers? Is that why they want him? Cause, cause <laughs> clearly Rodgers is locked in, right? Rodgers I mean, is according, locked according in. According to Broncos country, he's coming. Yeah. Drew Locke uh, <laughs> has sucked in 
in OTAs, Teddy Bridgewater establishing, you know, establishing a little bit of a toehold. It doesn't matter. Neither of those guys are going to be the starting quarterback for the Broncos. It's going to be a QB competition between Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson. That's, <laughs> that's good. That's how him. it's going to go. Get them both. Yeah. Yeah. I guess uh, Deshaun just wants to go to any major metropolitan area that he doesn't know all of the masseuses yet. Yeah, I think that's probably what it is. It was a little bit weird to see him back in the news because obviously like he leaked this in some sense. Like it seems like this was an effort for him to sort of project himself back into the news. And it feels like outside of Denver that most people's response to this was like, who cares where you want to go? Yeah. Like, are yeah. you even going to be playing football? Aren't you going to be suspended? Like, don't you still have 22 women accusing you of sexual assault? So who cares where you want to go? But I got to tell you there, there is a, a seedy underbelly of the Denver fan base, which is the majority of the Denver fan base. That is it's <laughs> like, you know what, let's just bring him in right now. Like that's how bad Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater is They're They're willing to bring in an alleged rapist. Yeah. Because he's he's good at football. I mean, sure. it is what it is. That's pretty much it for the news this week. So we're going to get into this mailbag. And and these questions were all more or less unsolicited. So big props to all of our Birds of War who submitted questions, even though we didn't we didn't even ask for questions. We're going to start good. off with a true mailbag superstar, Jordan Scarin. And on this note, what do you guys think of the Rodgers saga? If you were Rodgers, what would you do? If you could send him to another team for the good of the NFL, where are you sending him? And then relatedly, also from Jordan, would you rather have Rodgers or Watson as Denver's QB this season if it came down to them? Let's answer the second one first. Rodgers sure. or Watson as the Broncos QB this season? It's a good question because they're both dynamite. And and at their best, Rodgers and Watson are probably QB's two and three behind Mahomes or close to it. You know, they're both yeah, very, 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 very five. good. Um, I think given Denver's players that uh, on the outside between Judy and Fant and Sutton. all that, and Sutton, I, I think I, I would rather that. have Deshaun because I think Rodgers would rely more heavily on the weapons than Deshaun would and – and I feel like those weapons are good enough that Rogers would be using them a lot. And I think Deshaun still kind of runs around a little bit and does his Deshaun stuff. So it's, it's a hard, I mean, they're both, they're both very, very good, but I, I go with Watson who, what about you? Yeah. From a pure football standpoint, setting aside the fact that Rogers is unlikely to go anywhere as we've discussed previously and setting aside the fact that Watson might not, not be allowed to play football. Right. You know, if, if Watson's not playing, then, then great. And to be honest with you, I mean, I, I kind of don't want to say this cause I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm making light of the situation, but to be honest with you, if any team is going to bear a PR crisis and look terrible for bringing in Deshaun Watson, it might as well be the Broncos because yeah. they're a terrible fan base and I hate them. Yeah. And, so I think I probably would go Watson as well. Now, if it was a pure football discussion, I think I probably would go with Rogers just because while his level of play, his ceiling is still higher. I mean, he just won the yeah. MVP like three months ago. Yeah. He's also at the age where anything can happen. He could fall off a cliff. Uh, you know, he's, he's taken a lot of hits in his career. You That's never fair. know. I, I mean, at his age, you never know when he might fall off a cliff. Whereas mm -hmm. Deshaun, if he's on the field, is going to be good and we know it's going to be good. So I think yeah. that would be how I would answer that question. So the first part of this question, 
what do you guys think of the Rogers saga? I, I mean, I think we're both of the opinion that he's probably not going anywhere. You know, it's going to kind of dig in. I, it was interesting. I don't know if you saw this in the news today, but Russell Wilson was yeah, said he almost didn't... in. Yeah. He was almost in the Aaron Rodgers camp like three months ago where mm-hmm. he was like complaining about the offensive line and I'm getting hit too much. And there were heavy Russell Wilson trade rumors for a while. The bears made an attempt to trade for him before the draft. And he came out today and he's like, Oh, we're good. We're cool. Yeah. You know, me, me and P Carroll sat down and we're tight and uh, we're better than ever. He didn't even get a new contract. Like they drafted him a wide receiver in the draft. They traded for uh, Rodney Hudson, you know, or not Rodney Hudson, but the other Raiders, Gabe Jackson, the other yeah. Raiders offensive lineman that they right. got rid of. One, <laughs> of the, one of the million good offensive linemen that they got rid of this offseason. Good season. flex. Yeah, thank you. I, I always try and get those digs in where I can. And with the Raiders, it's just, it's so easy. Um, I mean, they're good now. And it kind of just feels like, I don't know, it kind of feels like, would it really surprise you if, like three weeks from now, we just got a report and Rogers was like, I don't know. We're good. We're cool. No, no, it wouldn't because, you know, people are fickle and they want certain things one day and then don't want them the next. And I mean, you know, people are nuts and Rogers has been known to be a little squirrely himself. And if this has been his way of maybe wanting a little bit of attention and maybe wanting people to express how much they love him and they've done that, you know, at the end of the day, he wants to win football games and he doesn't, you know, if that means staying in green Bay and he just came off of an MVP and an NFC championship appearance. And if they want to, you know, bring him back and kumbaya, then I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I think that it's at this point, uh, whatever happens is kind of, kind of be like, yeah, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I agree with that. So if you were Rogers, what would you do? Uh, man, I don't know. I think I kind of would maybe his public persona, of late, you know, since all this stuff kind of came out has been very like guarded. And I think I would kind of just go for the throat. I actually think like, if you really like, if I'm Aaron Rodgers and I really only have a problem with the GM, I think I would just literally come out and just be like, I need the Packers to fire the GM. I don't like him. Mm. And this is who I have beef with. And that's it. And just make it like enough of this tiptoeing around. I get that this is not a thing that professional athletes necessarily do. Sure. But that's what I would do if I was Aaron Rodgers. That, I mean, that's what an the, Austin I, I, move. Yeah, I just like I'm just gonna put it, put my dick on the table, you know. Yeah. Like it, that's that's I'm Aaron Rodgers. I just won the MVP. Look, I'm I'm not coming back. If uh, I mean, I would I would be direct about it, right? Like, I mean, Sean Watson hasn't come out and said I want out. Like that's all been leaked through, you know, yep. secondhand sources, and there are reasons for that. You know, obviously, if things get repaired between the team and the quarterback, you know, you want to have, you want to be able to walk that stuff back, which is why I think they do so much of it through these back channels, but man, I don't know. I mean, he's 37. He's going to turn 38 during the season. He just won the MVP. I probably would just come out and be like, this is what I have beef about. I don't think he's going to do that, but that's what I would do if I were Aaron Rodgers. Yep. I agree with that. And I think that it's so exhausting going through this saga in general that like as a 38 year old quarterback that's been with one team his entire life and I just feel like if I were him I would just tell the Packers what it's going to take and I don't know if he's done that maybe he has it doesn't feel like he has because if he has I would think it would be repaired by now but like just freaking man up and just say what's 
what's going on. And yeah, tell us what's on your mind, Aaron. Yeah, it just, I don't know. It seems like a pretty big drama queen act right now. And if I were in charge of him, I would cut that shit out immediately. <laughs> so if we can send him to another team for the good of the NFL, where are we sending him? So it's not for the good of the Chiefs. It's for the good of the NFL. So we, we have to take the interests of all 32 teams in into consideration here when we're sending him to another team. There's not a lot of quarterback needy teams out there. No. I mean, I kind of feel like, I don't know. I'm just going to put this out there. I I think I'm sending him to the football team. That's who, that's who I had picked. So That's great. So, I mean, it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? It, yeah, it does. They're they're they are quarterback needy, even though they do have. Yeah, I mean the, the only beard. downside of this. Yep. <laughs> Fitzmagic being benched is the only downside. But yeah, then again, it is. when Fitzmagic's on the bench, it's only a matter of time before he starts, anyway. So that's true. Before he so, takes over Aaron Rodgers, which would be very spicy and great <laughs> for the NFL. It would. I mean, him taking over for Tua Tonga Vailoa or you know whoever, whatever random jabroni that he's passing. Uh, that that's you know that doesn't have a lot of juice because nobody cares about those guys. Ryan Fitzpatrick versus Aaron Rodgers with uh, with Fitz's history of coming off the bench and taking your job and your girl. <laughs> that would that would be pretty dramatic. I like that a lot. My other candidates were either the Panthers or the Saints, mm-hmm. and sure. you know both I would consider. I mean, I guess you could say the Saints are QB needy, even though they do have Jameis Winston. <laughs> but uh, and the Panthers even after just getting just getting Sam Darnold, still I feel like both of those teams with Rodgers in the same division with Brady, that would be pretty fun. That would be pretty fun. I'm gonna throw one more out there. It's Tampa Bay. Uh, they're gonna cut Tom Brady. Oh, that <laughs> trade for Aaron Rodgers, and that is the best for the good of the NFL because <laughs> we no longer have to deal with tom brady he is a, a pest he's a nice steak. work yeah we solved it another one from jordan scarin this one is in meme form so it's gonna i'm gonna do my best to translate it here to paint a picture with my words so a tweet that was going around by bleacher report today what's the sports opinion that will have you like this and it's a picture of patrick from spongebob in like a stockade situation getting belted and he has an impassive face where he's just like i don't i don't care that you're harassing me so he says, also, this could be a Casey opinion or an all NFL opinion. So a sports opinion that will have you like this. You're in the stockade like Patrick in SpongeBob. People are yelling at you. What you got? Everyone thinks you're wrong. You know, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the tweet that I replied to when Jordan asked this question, I think, is the one that we're going to we're going to die on the hill. We're going to die on, which is Elway. I yeah, mean, oh, it always course. comes back to Elway. You, you know, the pods rooted in Elway. That's yeah, that's where the we first episode of the last episode, whenever that'll be. <laughs> exactly. And, the end uh, of the earth. and, you know, I think the evidence is, is massive and it is an opinion that when uttered to a group of casuals of the masses, they react like this. They yell at you. They say, you're wrong. They say, you never, you've never watched the game. Oh, did you grow? You know, blah, blah, blah. No, no, they're wrong. It's just, uh, they don't know it yet. You know, that is true of the NFL as a whole, but I am. Yeah. I mean, that's the easy answer and the correct answer. You know, that, that definitely would produce this, uh, this tableau that we have here with Patrick, you know, in general, I'm going to throw one out that I've, that I've workshopped before. I think I drafted him when we did our overrated players draft. I don't think that Andrew Luck was that good. He was fine. He was fine. 
but people have this idea that Andrew Luck was like a top five quarterback and he really wasn't. And I honestly think this kind of, this kind of dovetails nicely with the Elway take because there's a lot of similarities. I've compared them a little bit before, but it's, it's the super hyped mega hyped college prospect that goes on to be the number one overall pick Stanford. And, and in fact, yeah, exactly. Same school. Even, I mean, this would be like, we have to keep an eye on Trevor Lawrence's career just going forward because Trevor Lawrence is exactly the kind of player like Andrew Luck or John Elway Mm -hmm. that you hear talked about, not just as a a pro, but like as a prospect, like they'll say, this guy's the best quarterback prospect since John Elway, or this guy's the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. And really what a guy does as a prospect does not matter in, in terms of how we evaluate their NFL careers. Right. That's right. But it does affect our discourse on these players because they've been talked about for years. We, you know, we saw Trevor Lawrence start for three years at Clemson. He won a national title. We've been talking about it. We've known he's going to be the number one overall pick since he was like a freshman at Clemson and won the national title. I'm not saying that he's going to be drew luck. What I'm saying is that our drew luck <laughs> and drew uh, luck. Yeah. yeah Andrew luck. Yeah, sure. Well, drew luck. Yeah. yeah. Drew luck, drew luck, drew luck. Uh, what I'm saying is that <laughs> Andrew Luck and John Elway are, are, are from the same cut from the same cloth. They're, yeah. they're poured from the same mold and they are players that were extremely hyped coming to the league and had their moments. Certainly, you know, they're and for Elway. They came at the end of his career with Mike Shanahan and Terrell Davis, whatever Shannon Sharp, you know, great supporting stat uh, cast, but, uh, that's, that's, that's the take just to give you guys a bonus take. I mean, everybody knew the Elway one was coming, but, but yeah, um, we've got one here from rock robster. It's rock robster. Let's say the chiefs for some reason or another resign Steven Nelson. How do you react? I mean, <laughs> it's fine. He's another body. I don't enjoy what he said about the team, but at the end of the day, the wins are all that matters. And if he can help the team win, I'll get over it pretty quickly. But eh. yeah, I I'm kind of in the same boat. I wouldn't be happy about it, but I, I have to imagine that if he were to sign with the chiefs, like it, it would have to be him coming back and begging on his hands and knees. Yeah. Because he's the one that kind of burned all the bridges on the way out. Like, I don't know that the chiefs, except for Mitch Holtis, who I, I have mentioned on previous podcasts, memorably burned Steven Nelson after he got burned so many times by cornerbacks, by not turning his head around uh, and then left the chiefs. But I think that, you know, there's a part of me that, that is intrigued by this idea because it, in my mind, the only way it's possible is if Steven Nelson like eats crow and comes crawling back on his hands and knees and is like, I was a dumbass. Please, please resign me for nothing and I'll play for free. <laughs> I'll pay you guys. <laughs> yeah. I'll pay you guys to, to play with Pat again. I don't know. I, I think your initial reaction, just the, the, uh, the tone of disgust. Yes. That, that, that's probably the right reaction to that. Okay. We've got one from Seamus on our discord server, Seamus seven. I don't think we've ever had a question from Seamus before. He's a recent addition to the discord server and uh, welcome to the club Seamus. Welcome to the club, Simus. You have to start a team with either Prime DJ, Derek Johnson, or Prime. Yes, thank you, Derek Johnson, or another University of Texas graduate, Prime Jamal Charles. Who do you choose? And he specifies league average roster. Otherwise, 
So two of the all-time Chiefs greats, Derek Johnson, Jamal Charles, who are you picking? Yeah, I mean, you know, so if you have a league average roster otherwise, and then you've got a great linebacker or a great running back, I know we say running backs don't matter, but as we've also said, linebackers are the running backs of the defense. Correct. And if you're going to tell me an offensive position that doesn't really matter or a defensive position that doesn't really matter, I'm picking the offensive position all to, all the time, regardless of really at the end of the day, the comparisons of DJ and Jamal. I just think that if you're going to have one player on your team, that's above average, that's really good. I want the running back, which is weird to say, but if it's, if it's running back versus linebacker, give me the running back. Yeah, I agree with this. It's also going to be Jamal for me. And the fact that he specifies that it's a league average roster otherwise um, matters to me, even though running backs don't matter in a vacuum, sometimes they do. And in fact, uh, we talked about this when it kind of came out, but there was a a tweet circulating the other day that gets bandied about from time to time um, with rush yards over expectation. And Jamal Charles like is the best running back you know, in, in, independent of offensive line plays, like the best running back of the last 25 years yeah. that we have data for. And it's like, not even close. Like he's no. worlds better than everybody else. So the fact that it's a, a league average roster and you have a running back who, 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 I mean, we know that he was great on a league average roster. Cause that's pretty much what he had when he was with the chiefs, if not a below average roster. Yes. And he was great. And so a guy like that who can hit home runs, on offense, despite having middling talent around him, that's pretty valuable. I mean, even when we're talking about a running back and, you know, linebacker, Derek Johnson was great. Yeah. Like best, best linebacker in Chiefs history. I mean, you know, if we're talking about off ball linebackers, I was going to say, I, you can't, you can't choose edge rushers for this, you know, just, just call them edge rushers. Derek or Thomas was an edge rusher. Yeah. 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 That's, you that's know, yeah, yeah, fine. he's a pass rusher. Uh, Derek Johnson and yeah, DT different D- positions. Derek different. Thomas is like the third best linebacker of all time. But yes, yeah, you're but right. he's they played he's, a different role. They yes, played a different yes. role. He's a pass rusher. He's yep. like the third best pass rusher of all time. Anyway, uh, linebacker just is limited in in what they can do. Like the offense controls the ball. Yeah, defense is always reactive. I think you take the guy that allows you to dictate how the game is played. And Jamal is like the quintessential running back. If a running back is ever going to matter. I mean, people will say a guy like Derrick Henry that can bust through tackles, whatever. Give me the guy that can make everybody miss and outrun everybody in space and can catch the ball. Give me that guy. I have a, I have a baseball analogy to this. So this would be like having a one hitter in your lineup. That's extremely good and all eight other hitters being average or a closer. That's really good. Yeah. And Derek Johnson to those who don't get the analogy is like the closer where yes. like you have to have a specific situation for his skill set to be valuable. And when, a, when one player out of your nine is good every time, then every time he comes up to bat, he's got a chance of putting a number on the board and helping you win. And I love it's, it. it's just, you know, Jamal was a home run hitter as much as any football player has been. I mean, he absolutely took it to the house with the best of them. I mean, that was, yeah. So that's my, that's my comparison there. It's a great question. Simus. We appreciate it. Welcome yes. to the discord. And if any of you, if any of you other followers of the podcast want to be on our discord server and hang out with us, it's quiet. It's the off season right now, but man, I tell you during the season, 
it gets pretty gets yeah. pretty rowdy it gets pretty rowdy in there it's, yeah, fun. it's fun it's it's fun if you participate in the infinite beefs that Chiefs twitter rolls out lately uh-huh. you can just come into the the discord is beef free and yeah. uh you know it's it's away from the prying eyes of twitter uh, you know even when you set your accounts to private or whatever just come on in you can hang out with us no no judgments there send me a dm i'll invite you yep we've got one from jason also from our discord server in Ka-ka! the event Ka-ka! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. I I appreciate you catching me on the caca there. In the event of the apocalypse, choose three Chiefs players slash staff to fill the following roles. Repopulate the world, create the world government, and institute a new religion. Please give detailed reasoning for each choice. I love this question, and I feel like the first two, repopulate the world, create the world government, I feel like those are pretty obvious. But let's go through them one by one. (laughs) Sure, of course. So repopulate the world. There is no other human being I would choose to repopulate the world. Not just Chiefs player, not just football player. There is no other human being on planet Earth better equipped to repopulate the world than Patrick LeVon Mahomes. That's correct. I think that's as slam dunk of an answer as I've ever even looked at on the podcast. But the reasons are vast, both physically and mentally. He has everything you've ever wanted in a human being. He has it all. He would fix every single problem if he could repopulate the world himself. There is no brighter future for humanity than repopulation by Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, honestly, we should probably just blow it up and start over. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes as as the Adam (laughs) of the world, you know, this new world rebirth, this new genesis. (laughs) And Patrick Mahomes is is the uh, the root of the new human race. I like it. So creating the world government. I feel like this one's pretty easy as well. I'm going with Andy Reid. Yeah, of course. He's the architect of this this grand football team that we all root for, detail-oriented. I feel like the thing about Patrick, which you already alluded to, and Andy Reid, which makes them such a wonderful match, there are some guys that are are born to be football guys, and they both are to some degree. But I also feel like you can imagine both with Andy and with, with Pat that had they grown up in different professions or different environments that they would be high achievers in yeah. whatever profession they chose. Totally. And for Pat, it certainly would be athletics. Although I think he certainly has the smarts to be successful in, you know, politics or sciences or whatever it would be. Andy Reed, beautiful mind. He would have been great at whatever he put his mind to, whether it be, you know, science or industry or medicine or whatever it would be. Uh, so I think he is the obvious choice here for creating a world government. Yeah. And also it would be the right type of, you know, not just the smarts, but the intent. Like Andy has a heart of gold Yes, and, and it's not just about putting the government together. It's about putting the right government together. That's right. And that's Andy's is built for that as anyone on the team. I, I toyed with Veach for a second there because obviously architects on the team, those would be the two that you think about, but um, at the end of the day, exactly there are some a lot of universal basic income for all human race (laughs) you know we'd eliminate we'd eliminate poverty and that's good that's yeah that's that's not bad yeah they're good uh they're good secondary options there but But, you know andy would create a government that would employ them yes the appropriate ways yes so you really get the best of both worlds you you put people in positions to succeed that's what andy reed does yeah you know you probably would have brant Brantillis as the uh the the world government director economics are yeah yeah economics are exactly and i mean we'd eliminate poverty and hunger and so on and so forth it'd be great yeah so institute a new religion i'm really curious to see which way you wanted to go with this yeah so instituting a new religion um it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people and especially depending on how religious you are and that sort of thing to me a non-religious person, I'm thinking about the person that would be able to successfully 
get people to follow them. And obviously, if we've already got Pat and we've already got Andy checked off the list, um, my choice here is Trav. And I think that Travis Kelsey has a lot of the flamboyance and a lot of the personality and the spunk to be like a everyone listen to what I say just because I'm the one who says it, which is a very, you know, a pillar of religion. And he's he's a good guy. So he wouldn't be some sort of crazy, you know, murder people type of religion that there are certainly many of out there. Um, So, yeah, I think I think Trav's got the personality to pull it off. And he really does need to be it's kind of like a center of attention role. And he clearly, you know, that feeds his diva ego a lot there. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense for him. I like that answer. I am going to diverge. I'm going to break off here. I felt like the first two were, were pretty yeah, obvious, although <laughs> it was, it was fun to, uh, to bandy some ideas about there. I considered Chris Jones for this. Ooh. I think uh, Chris Jones has a lot of the same characteristics of a uh, Travis Kelsey. I considered uh, Tyron Matthew for this. I yeah. think that uh, yeah. his personality, certainly uh, his zeal, yeah, uh, is uh, reminiscent of uh, many religious leaders, both uh, positively and negatively. You know, Plenty I, I feel you. like I feel like he could have been a very successful cult leader um, if he had yeah. chosen that path. Uh, yeah. the, cult, the cult of the honey badger. The honey badgers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I went with Eric Bieniemy is uh, is going to institute my new religion because every time he talks, I feel like he's taking me to church. Yes, I just think he has the. Just say he has the right demeanor. You know, the the one who's going to institute a religion, he, I do want him to be, to some degree, a leader of men. And that's not to say that Travis Kelsey is not. It. That I would be it. a fun. That would be a fun ass religion. Yeah. But Eric Bieniemy, I feel like he's going to keep me on the straight and narrow. He's going to lead me on the righteous path. Yeah. And so uh, I'm taking I'm taking Hebe to institute the new world religion. That was a great question, Jason. Appreciate that one. Um, we've got one from Corey. I'm going to let you read this one. Sure. From our artist chief. Ka-ka! Ka-ka! He, he said, he asked us a question on the discord today where he said, a mysterious rich stranger approaches you. They offer you money to root for another NFL team publicly for one season. They will pick a rival team for you. And you'll have to tweet under your current account for that team and attend at least one home game of that team and root them on. The catch is that you don't know if your prize money for this is $10,000 or $1 million. Are you doing it? You cannot tell anyone what is happening until the season's up. So he's got a lot of stipulations here, but in general, it's about changing your public persona to root for and by rival team. I assume Broncos and Raiders are really the only two choices there. I don't even consider yeah, the, the Chargers a rival. Right. And Patriots, you know, Patriots no longer. Yeah, no, it's the, it's the Broncos or the Chargers. So, would you root for those that you hate for a full year publicly? Now you could still cheer on the chiefs in private. You could still watch the games, but you would have to go to one game and wear their gear and root them on. You're either getting 10 G's or a million bucks. I mean, you know, a million dollars is for a year of pain, not too shabby of an outcome. And if it yeah, just, if it had just said, you get a million dollars. I think we both would have grinned and bared it and said, yeah, I'll, I'll go for it. But it's a lot of money. Every man has his price and a million dollars. Sure. But the feeling that I would have to go through all of that. And then at the end, he flips the coin and the coin lands on 10 G's and he hands me a check for $10,000. I mean, that could break me. That's a, that's, that's not enough. That's not enough money. Now, if that said a hundred or a million and a hundred thousand or a million, and you know, it could still at least, but 
$10,000 after a year of rooting for the Broncos or the Raiders, I would already need to spend that money on therapy. So, yeah. I mean, right. Yeah. It's tough. It's a tough question. I think I'd do it. I think I'd risk it. I'm a gambling man. I would risk it for the million dollars and I would try and plant some sort of seeds in, uh, we'll talk about this next week with Seth, but I love to play the espionage game with other NFL teams. And I would love to be able to like make some Broncos fans and then catfish them, you know, like friends. I mean, and, oh, I mean, uh, you already, you already, I, that's what I said. We'll talk ah, about it next week. I got you. I got you. But I got you. that would play into the factor here. So I think I'd do it, but it would be risky. Yeah. I, I mean, the chance of winning a million dollars, if it's a truly a 50 50 proposition, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty good. Too good to pass up. Yeah. That's pretty good me. EV, but, um, <laughs> you're right. I, it, it would be difficult to publicly, I mean, like, we're basically talking about converting our Twitter accounts into Rata Cody for a year. Yeah. Yeah. And you're talking about being like a laughing stock of the internet, which I don't appreciate being no. the rare occasions that I've done something stupid on my account and, and run afoul of like when I posted this poll last week about whether people would, would microwave ice cream when they got it out of the, the freezer or not. <laughs> they crushed got, it. Got ratioed pretty hard on that <laughs> yeah. one. It's still a good thing, by the way, for those of you <laughs> who saw that tweet, I left some ice cream out for 15 whole minutes. I waited 15 minutes to eat my ice cream. I left it out. It was still not optimal. You I succumbed rather, to the masses? I would have rather put it in the mic. Well, I wanted to test it because yeah, I sure. was like, have I been wrong yeah, all these years? Sure. And the answer is no. No. You were wrong and you yeah. still are wrong. But anyway, I, I think, I don't know. I'm just going to say no. I'm going to say no. I, I want to <laughs> keep the Chiefs fandom. Now, the other thing is it's only for a year. Yeah. And we have a long road ahead of us of Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and we Travis do. Kelsey and Tyree Kill. There's going to be so much more to come. And I guess if you even if you only got ten thousand dollars, I mean ten G's will pay for a Super Bowl ticket. I could pay my way to go to the Super Bowl in twenty twenty three. I guess you know? I feel like after a year of that, ten thousand dollars is like getting zero dollars. Oh, no, it is. It is. It's <laughs> definitely it's definitely not it's not a life changing amount of money and therefore yeah. It's no money, especially because you're thinking about the million dollars all year long. You're uh, thinking yeah. it's all going to yeah. be worth it when I get that check for a million dollars, all the yeah. things I'm going to buy, all the cool shit I'm going to do. And then it comes up 10,000 and you're like, well, that was the biggest waste of time of my life. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, you would never get that year back. And honestly, you know, time is the one thing that we uh, we can't manufacture more of. So mm. I don't know. It's a tough decision. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. Okay. We have one final mailbag question, and it is from our guy, Polish Chiefs fan, PKS. For the pot, how did the Hill-Kelsey combo over the last three years stack up against the history of the NFL? That has to be a pretty dominant duo, not only now, but like of all time. Or am I tripping? You are not tripping, PKS. And this was right in our wheelhouse. We pulled some numbers. Taylor, I'm going to let you run your numbers first. Sure. Mine are very quick. I have five duos, and I'm going to talk about their best three-year stretch of these five duos. Okay. okay. So our first duo that we'll talk about is uh, Chris Carter and Randy Moss. And okay. they had from 1998 to 2000, they each went for 1,000 yards, and their total was – Four thousand or four hundred ninety catches, seventy six hundred yards, seventy seven touchdowns. Very good numbers. Um, yeah, that's good. Randy also had another partner on this list. Randy, Mr. Wes Welker, from two thousand seven to two thousand nine with Tom Brady and the Patriots. 
uh, he had, they, they combined for 596 catches, 7,400 yards, 62 touchdowns, more catches, but less in the yards and touchdowns. Uh, Randy's partner from the Vikings, Chris Carter also paired up with Jake Reed on the Vikings from 95 to 97. Yeah. Jake Reed, never heard of him. Of all the 10 guys on this list, he's the only guy I've never heard of. Yeah. So they combined for 519 catches for 7,200 yards and 62 touchdowns. That's in the three-year period. They each went over a thousand yards. Then we had a very famous duo for the Colts, Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne. Mm -hmm. They had three years over a thousand from 2004 to 2006, where they had 509 catches for 7,200 yards and 65 touchdowns. And finally, the only other duo to go over a thousand yards for three seasons is Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. And these are three consecutive. Actually, these are three out of four seasons is the criteria for this. So, they Tyreek missed 2019 with the injury, but in 2017, 2018, and 2020, they went over a thousand yards each. Their numbers were 540 catches for 7,700 yards and 63 touchdowns. That ranks Travis and Tyreek among these pairs second in receptions, first in yards, and third in touchdowns. So, they are the best as far as those three stats of everybody who's ever gone a thousand yards three years out of four. It's uh, it's a remarkable number because, uh, first of all, it does not include the greatest show on turf boys because they never, I know you are, and they never had a three consecutive years of over a thousand yards. So they just didn't qualify for the the search that I did here, but really Kelsey and, and Hill, their output, their numbers are staggering and they're right up there. When PKS said, am I tripping? As you said, no, not at all. I mean, they they have absolutely put themselves in the conversation for best duo of all time. What did you pull? So I looked at three-year spans specifically where I was looking at a three-year span where not the individual seasons because I wanted to filter for Tyreek's injury in 2019, yeah, which killed his chance at a 1,000-yard season. But obviously the three-year output is still insane. He still had over the last three years 36 hundred yards and 34 touchdowns, which is ridiculous because he missed five or six games in 2019. Unbelievable. Uh, Travis Kelsey, 3,981 yards and 26 touchdowns over the last three years. So unbelievable, just ridiculous production from the two of those guys. So what I looked at was three-year spans where individual receivers had more than 3,600 yards over a three-year span and more than 26 receiving touchdowns. Now, those are the low end of each of, of Travis. So the low end for yards between Travis and, and Tyreek mm-hmm. is 3615 for Tyreek. So we're going mm-hmm. with 3,600 yards. That's the floor and 26 touchdowns. That's the low end for Kelsey. He had 26 Tyreek had 34. Yep. So we're talking about uh, just individual players that kind of hit the, the low end of, of each half of this chiefs duo. Got it. So in 20, 2018 to 2020, there were th- four guys in the league that hit those benchmarks over 3,600 yards, combined over the last three years and over 26 receiving touchdowns. Travis Kelsey did it. Tyree Kill did it. Devontae Adams did it. And Mike Evans of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did it. So the four Ghostbusters guys. Ghostbusters did it. The Ghostbusters did it. Scooby-Doo did it. <laughs> Those were the only four guys in the league to do it. Two of them were Chiefs. If you go back through the history of the NFL, and I went all the way back to 1980, there have never been more than, there's never been a three-year stretch where more than five players have done that. Okay. You're talking about 
rare company for five players in the entire league to have a stretch like each individual player for the Chiefs has done over the last three years. Gotcha. Where they're hitting 3,600 yards and 26-plus touchdowns over a three-year period. The most to ever do it in a single season or a single three-year stretch from 99 to 2001, Marvin Harrison, Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, Tim Brown, and Isaac Bruce all did it from 99 to 2001. That's the only time. There have been a few times that there have been four in a three-year stretch to do that. No pair of teammates has ever done that Jeez. over a three-year stretch, going back to 1980. And I didn't go back further than that because I had to pull you these numbers manually. But I didn't need to because I can tell you from 1980 to 1987, that's uh, six different three-year stretches. One person did it in in those combined six different three-year periods. It was Mike Quick. And then from 1986 to 1994 – so we have eight or uh, seven three-year stretches in there. It happened three different players did it. One guy did it every single year, <laughs> every, every single three-year period. It was yeah. Jerry Rice. Sure, of course. Sterling Sharp did it twice, and Gary Clark did it once. So essentially nobody did it in that stretch except for Jerry Rice, who, by the way, did it um, 10 consecutive three-year stretches where he was doing that. Just outrageous. But I looked at looking at these numbers, looked at at some of the same people you considered, you know, the 2004 to 2006 Colts with Marvin Harrison and and Reggie or Reggie Wayne, they they were incredible. They actually outpaced the Chiefs on a touchdown basis, which yep. is crazy, um, but did not quite get as many yards as the Chiefs did. Peyton tossed a lot of touchdowns, man. He sure did. Uh, I mean, that was a good one. I looked at the 94 to 1996 Detroit Lions. These are pretty wild. Wow. So Herman Herman Moore and Brett Perriman, father of Rashad Perriman, current yeah. uh, current Detroit Lion. Uh, Herman Moore, 301 receptions over those three years combined, 4,155 yards and 34 touchdowns. Good really Lord. nice stretch by Herman Moore. Yeah. And Brett Perriman, a very good number too, 258 receptions, 3,270 yards and 18 touchdowns. So they actually outpaced the Chiefs duo in yardage. They did not come close on the touchdowns, falling about 10 touchdowns short there. Not a Those Rams were crazy. So Torrey Holden and Isaac Bruce might actually have the nod for the longest combined stretch of dominance, even longer than Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison at a peak has a, an argument for the greatest duo of all time. Those, those other duos that you mentioned certainly have an argument as well. But the Colts duo, you know, Marvin Harrison was – they had three years where Reggie Wayne was good. Marvin Harrison was really good. And then, you know, Marvin Harrison fell off. He aged out. Mm-hmm. These Rams had two separate three-year stretches where they just were outrageous in terms of receptions, yardage shuttles. Torrey Holt from 2000 to 2002 had 4,300 yards and 17 touchdowns, which is crazy. Isaac Bruce had 3,600 52 yards and 22 touchdowns. So, I mean, yardage wise, we're talking about, I mean, a thousand yards more than the chiefs receivers have combined for. Yeah. Now they didn't miss any games either. So that's a little bit unfair to Tyreek, but touchdown wise, I mean, the chiefs have blown them away. We're talking about like almost 20 more, more than 20 more touchdowns between those two. Yep. Uh, the other duo that I think deserves some consideration that didn't show up in your search, uh, the 2005 to 2007 Cardinals, man, Larry Fitzgerald and Anquan Bolden. Yes. Very formidable duo. Larry Fitz in that stretch had 3,764 yards for 26 touchdowns. And Quan had 34, 58, and 20. So we're talking about a combined total of about 7,100 yards. Pretty comparable to what the Chiefs have done, but only 46 touchdowns. So I feel pretty comfortable saying, between your research and my research, that this right now, even with Tyree Kill's injuries, 
and really, frankly, going back to 2017, this is this is top five easily. It's like right there in the conversation. It kind of depends on whether you want to make an argument for touchdowns, whether you prefer yardage, whatever it is. But if they go out and do it again this year, I mean, we're looking at the greatest five-year stretch by a duo in NFL history, bar none. I mean, I don't think it'll be even be close. We talk about how lucky we are with Mahomes and with, you know, Andy Reid and all that stuff, but it it should not be overlooked how fortunate Chiefs fans are to have watched Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill over the last, you know, four years for Tyreek and six years for Travis. It's been it's been wonderful. That'll do it for us this week, guys. It's always sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. Stay tuned next week for the great Seth Kaiser. <laughs>